The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. It's Adam, your regular host for On the Farm. Uh, I just want to thank Nick, Alex, the whole Pitcherless crew, uh, all of the contributors, everybody that helped put forward an amazing, amazing weekend with PitchCon. Uh, one of the uh, interviews that we had or one of the panels that we did uh, was with Andy Patton and Trevor Huth. Uh, they interviewed Daniel Lynch, Tariq Skubel, and Alex Fiedo. Uh Awesome interview. So cool. We got, a, we got really, really, really interesting stuff out of them. Uh, and I can't thank everybody enough for all of the contributions they made uh, for Feeding America and for Pitcher List. Uh, it was just an awesome... Uh, weekend. I know that I haven't been recording as much. I know that a lot of people are probably frustrated um, and down on what's going on in the world. But if you get an opportunity to kind of go back and listen to some of the really uh, just great panels, the groups, the conversations that were had over PitchCon, it's hard not to be energized and excited about baseball. So uh, over the next 45 minutes or so, please take a listen. Trevor and Andy did an amazing job asking some really interesting questions, getting some really interesting answers uh, from Tariq uh, Skubel, Daniel Lynch, and Alex Fiedo. Uh Thank you so much. We'll be recording again real soon. Uh, be safe, be healthy, uh, take care of one another out there. Incredible so far. Uh, but what I want to do right now is I want to bring on Andy Patton and Trevor Huth really quickly. Hey, guys. What's going Welcome on? Up. So sir, Andy Patton and Trevor Huth are both uh, part of our Pitcher staff. Andy Patton, the, the uh, manager of our Dynasty team. Uh, and uh, so uh, before we get into it right at 6 o'clock, I just wanted to kind of talk to you guys. What are we going to see here? Well, uh, we got three minor league pitchers who are going to come on to the to the panel. Uh, Daniel Lynch from the Kansas City Royals and two Detroit Tigers, Alex Fiedo and Tarek Skubel. It's going to be a lot of fun. We have a bunch of questions. We're going to ask them just kind of various things about the life of being a minor league pitcher, what it's been under quarantine, how much they use analytics to kind of evaluate their performance. So it's going to be really fun. I'm really glad that these three guys are willing to come on and talk to us. Um, yeah, we're really looking forward to it. 
Uh, so I should give you guys a proper introduction, by the way. Uh, Andy Patton is Dynasty Manager over at Pitchos, where he's churned out over 200 different pieces focusing on Dynasty, including a recent gift tournament focusing on prospects. Definitely give him a follow, a follow at Twitter at Andy Penn SEA. Of course, you also do a lot of coverage with uh, USA Today with the Seahawks as well. All over the place, Andy Penn. Uh, and Trevor Huth is as well. Trevor Huth um, writes, of course, with us at Pitcherless. Um, but it also contributes at Bless You Boys, Viva Alberto's, the FF Chronicle, Prospects 365. Also has a prospect uh, a podcast with the Red Sox at Over the Monster. I uh, And he Take also helps out with the Prospects Live podcast. <laughs> it's just... Endless, and there's a good reason why he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows what he's talking about, despite how much he'll tell you. Otherwise, definitely <laughs> give him a follow at Ruth Trevor. The one requirement I had today for this presentation is that Trevor Ruth does not talk negatively about himself. I said yeah. you got you got nothing to worry about. We have these three awesome pitchers here. We're going to hear from them, not me. Yes, and they're all ready to go. Um, it's uh, so. Andy, uh, your shirt is fantastic, by the way. Uh, I love the red. I'm one of the few that got the red, and I kind of think the red pops a lot. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of guys who got in the red, so I thought, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. We'll see how it looks. So, turned out good. I mean, I got because of how it looked on you. I got the red PitchCon uh, shirt. Looking forward to wearing that tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, uh, but yeah, I'll get started. Do you want all three of them on here, or do you want just one by one? Bring them on. All right, let's do this. I'll see you guys. I'm looking forward to this one a lot. Can't wait to hear from them. I remember actually on the stream with Trevor Huth, if you guys remember a couple weeks ago, I'm loving all of these onside the stream. So I can't wait to hear more about it and have a good time. All right. All right. Welcome, guys. Thank you so much. Again, I can't thank you guys enough for all coming on. Uh, I really appreciate it. So Nick kind of gave a quick introduction of what we're going to be doing for the three of you and also for everybody listening. Uh, We're just going to do a quick panel. We're going to kind of discuss... Just ask you guys some broad questions about your minor league careers up to this point, kind of how everything's going. Uh, Trevor and I are going to trade off asking you guys some questions. Uh, so first off, if you guys, for the few people out there who might not know who you guys are, who are just learning about the minor leagues or who are not fans of the American League Central, which is where you're all from, uh, can you just each give a quick little intro uh, where you went to college, where you're from, maybe where you pitched the last level that you guys pitched at, and then we'll kind of get into the questions. Uh, we'll go... I guess I'll just tell Tarek, why don't you go first? If you can hear me, yes, no? Tarek, you there? Oh, yeah, I can hear you. What was the question? Sorry, it was like lagging out. Oh, you're good. Uh, can you just kind of give a quick intro of who you are, where you're from, uh, where you last pitched? Uh, yeah, Tarek Skubal, Um Went to school at Seattle University, drafted in 2018, and last year I ended in Erie. All right. Alex? Hey, yeah, I'm Alex Fajardo. Uh I went to the University of Florida. I'm with the Detroit Tigers like Tarek, and uh, I ended in Erie as well uh, last year with Scuba. All right. Daniel? Uh, yeah, Daniel Lynch. Um, went to the University of Virginia um, with the Kansas City Royals, and I ended in Wilmington. All right. I guess I ended in the Fall League, but yeah, that was the last place I pitched. Well, guys, we're, we're so happy we can have you all on. And uh, um, the, the first – the next question for you is kind of for all three of you. Um, you can go in the same order and answer them, but uh, I know that right now is not exactly a, a normal time for you. So what are you guys doing during this, you know, during the quarantine, during this pandemic to uh, to be able to stay in shape and, and be ready to go? Uh, yeah, I feel like, 
I mean, I've just been kind of working out, throwing, throwing bullpens, and then just playing a lot of video games. Um, <laughs> that's kind of what I've been doing the past time, pretty much, is just play video games and I have to work it out in the mornings and play video games all afternoon. Yeah, um, me and uh, Scoob will play a lot of Fortnite together, so uh, we do that a lot. But uh, morning's been able to still lift and train pretty much like I usually did in uh, the off season, and then uh, just throwing, trying to get like two pens a week, just trying to stay ready for whenever we do get the call. Yeah, I've just been uh, working out. I'm lucky. I have a brother who's a senior in high school, and so I've been just throwing with him, long tossing, doing all that, and same thing, just trying to stay on my routine, get some um, get two or three bullpens in, um, or two bullpens a week, I guess. And I don't play video games, so I kind of just do whatever to try to stay uh, entertained. So are you guys, are you guys doing Fortnite? Are you, is this Twitch? I mean, you guys go live stream. Can we watch this at any point? Or are you guys just playing together and letting it happen? No, yeah, we just have I fun. Think I think fighters streams. A of those streams. But I, I guess I get a little camera shot or something. I always do bad when I'm doing it, so I got I to gotta stay off. <laughs> Daniel, I'm like you, man. I don't really play a lot of video games, but this is testing me. It's really tempting to go out and get something so that I can actually uh, be a little bit more entertained. Yeah, um, I was thinking I might, I might start. Yeah, not a bad idea. Uh, so all three of you guys came from college, uh, the Division One ranks. So I'm curious what the transition from the collegiate level to the professional level. Alex, I know you didn't play in your first. Uh, you didn't play right away when you started. I'm just kind of curious what transitioning from college to the pros was like, was there kind of hurdles that you were expecting, were not expecting, and just kind of how, how that transition went in your guys' first year? All right, I might switch up to my iPhone, my iPad. It's like cutting down. I'm just going to leave it. And then enjoy. Okay, cool. Alex, you're up then. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the, uh, the biggest difference really is just uh, going out there and like each guy has their own approach against you. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of just like that that college feel of everyone in the lineup has that one approach that the coach kind of demanded. Mm-hmm. So I feel like just trying to like figure out what each batter is trying to do against me and then try to pitch against that and use my strengths against him. But uh, I mean, it's been, I think playing in the SEC kind of like helped me out um, playing in front of crowds uh, in front of ESPN and stuff like that. So playing in double A now, the, uh, the crowds don't make that big of a factor anymore. Mm-hmm. Daniel, why don't you go? We'll let Gary get yeah, that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, for me, um, the transition was honestly a lot easier than I expected. Mm-hmm. I think I expected it to be really, you know, it's like professional baseball, so I expected it to be really difficult. But it's actually, I enjoyed the freedom of mm-hmm. being able to kind of do my own thing and um, do like exactly what I wanted to do with no one really telling me what I, you know, in college is kind of pretty strict regiments and you're doing whatever the the team wants you to do and i really enjoyed the freedom so the transition was pretty easy for me good all right what was the question i couldn't even hear it sorry Derek. uh the question was just going from the collegiate level to the professional level and just kind of what that adjustment looked like uh, for you and kind of the, the hurdles that you anticipated or maybe some of the hurdles you didn't anticipate yeah i think the first adjustment was just going to the field every day you know and playing baseball every day um, and then throwing every fifth day was the second adjustment for me. It was just like getting your body ready to throw every fifth day instead of every seventh day, like in college, you're getting one start a week. And then in pro ball, you're starting every fifth day. So I think those two things were the biggest adjustment. But other than that, I feel like it's been, it's a lot more fun baseball, I think as well too. So. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm kind of building off that, I think uh, it, it runs back to what Alex was talking about. Is there a lot more preparation that goes into it since you have to, you know, know? I mean, maybe you've seen some of these guys before, but they're gonna they're gonna approach you this way, or, or is it a lot of just reading the situation? Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a lot different in that aspect to the uh, in college. You're just getting told this is the pitch you're throwing, so you don't have to do all that research. You're just trying to execute that pitch. But uh, the uh, the organization helps us out a lot and gives us a lot of information to use, uh, and then. You know, we kind of have a little bit of preparation before the game. Yeah, well, I enjoy I enjoy doing it because I think it's more of a independent and I guess more rewarding thing when you get a sky report on someone and you were right, you throw the right <laughs> pitch, or and then you get to face the same guys three or four times and you sort of try it. It's it's sort of like a chess match because mm-hmm. they've seen you and you've seen them, seen them, and so you kind of go back and forth. So I, I've enjoyed that type of preparation. Yeah, and I think the preparation also builds and creates more confidence. Like for myself, is when I do my own research and look into things and see scouting reports, I just feel like I get more and more confident if I can just go out there and execute some pitches and and have success that way. And as you guys are, are transitioning and, and learning all this stuff, uh, I know there's some of it comes from the organization, but uh, some of it can come from being able to encounter veterans along the way too. So, I mean, when you guys have encountered guys who have been there and gone through it and uh, have they been able to help you at all? Uh, yeah. Um, our, uh, our clubhouse has, uh, has done a really good job at spring training. Um, us young guys that were up there uh, trying to learn and uh, get innings up there. The, uh, the older guys, they did a great job helping us, you know, showing us what to do, uh, you know, seeing what we do good and just trying to help, uh, you know, make us more complete pitchers. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, um, Brad Keller was one that actually helped me a lot. He basically took me into the video room and broke down how he does a scouting report. And not that I would necessarily do it exactly the same as him, but he sort of just showed me how to navigate through the system and all the information that's available. And then you can sort of build, take the information that you want um, because there's so much of it available for you. Yeah, I think the, the the rotation in the big leagues for us was, like, huge in spring training. They, like, tried to help us as much as possible. And I think that's huge is just getting a little bit more comfortable with those guys and then more confident with yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. Uh, there's tons of spites, uh, ours included. I'm going to shamelessly plug Pitcher List's new <laughs> team real quick. Uh, who do a lot of rankings. They do team-by-team team rankings. They do, like, top 100, top 200 prospect rankings. I'm curious, uh, either way, if you guys pay a lot of attention to that, if your organization pays a lot of attention to that, if that's just something that you guys kind of just ignore and kind of go at your own pace with, uh, or just kind of what where where those kind of fall in on your guys' radar. Yeah, I mean, I feel like when I look at it and I see guys that I know I played with and the guys I'm playing with now, and I see how highly they're ranked and how much love they're getting, it, it makes me feel really good, you know, like as a teammate, seeing your guys get a lot of uh, – you know, accolades. But uh, I think at the same time, we all just keep our heads down and keep working and just aren't really worried about all that. But it is nice. Sure. Yeah. I kind of stay away from it personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, sure. I don't really see how it's going to help me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because like if you need someone to rank you high to feel mm-hmm. confident about yourself, then I don't really feel like, you know, sure. I don't, I, you know, I don't really see the point in that. So I personally just try to stay away from it. Um, but I definitely think that there's value. I think what Alex said, it's cool to see guys that you played with have success and be able to be happy for them. 
Yeah, I agree with both those guys. It's cool to like get recognition and stuff like that, but I mean, it doesn't really matter much, honestly. You know, like it doesn't change what you have to do on the mound, pretty much. So sure. And so next, uh, shift gears back towards being on the mound and and maybe preparation. But uh, there's a huge movement in, in analytics uh, recently. I don't know. I mean, does that play a part in how you guys do things day in and day out? Uh, you know, how you approach it on the mound, things like that. Yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like we're doing a lot of a lot of good with that in the organization. I feel like they're putting a lot of time and effort, giving us the best resources we can. Um, I think they implemented implemented it a lot this spring training, so we didn't get too much time. But I think uh, Tarek would say the same thing. I mean, they're working with us, seeing how our pitches move, how they look, stuff like that. But uh, at the same time, they want us to pitch well and have good results, not just worry about what the computer says. So just a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely more. Uh, there's definitely more of a prominence of it this spring training. And I guess maybe just being in big league spring training, you know, like throwing on a rep soto every bullpen, edutronics behind us. Um, and we, they, they didn't necessarily give us a lot of access to that information because I think it's like can be a little bit overbearing if you have the, all that information. But they did a good job of accessing it when it was necessary and showing us, you know, things that, you know, not necessarily just giving us information every day, but if there's something that's re- relevant to what you're doing or working on, then giving you that, and that's definitely helpful. Yeah, I think they do do a good job in our organization of having that stuff available and and ready if you want to use it and if you don't want to use it you don't have to but um i think they have a good blend of analysts but also you know just if you can go out and get outs that's kind of what matters so right yeah Uh, if you're looking into that kind of stuff i mean does that affect um in in the the little bit you've been exposed to i mean does that affect how you're going to you know sequence or um you know where you want to put certain pitches i mean how does that does, does that affect your approach that much Oh, I'm sorry. Honestly, I wasn't listening to that. I saw that they, we had a chat on there, so I started looking at that. <laughs> <laughs> Just talking about, um, you know, do the analytics, does that, does that affect how you might think about sequencing when you get on the mound or your approach when you're in game? Yeah, I feel like um, I can't I can't live and die by it because you got to know, you know, what your eyes see too at the same time. But uh, I think it does give you a little bit of confidence just knowing that, like, if I can execute this pitch with this stuff that I'm confident in having, and the numbers also show over a long period of time that someone struggles in that count with that pitch and that certain location that, you know, kind of all comes together and you can just, you know, you feel really good and confident about each pitch you're, you're throwing. So, I mean, it's just like school. If you're like well-prepared, you know, going into a test, you know, you feel a lot more confident. Um, I'd say understanding my stuff a little bit more definitely helped me sequence. Like, you know, if a guy, uh, I'm trying, it's hard to think of an example, but I think just understanding, like if you spin your fastball, well, you know, you can attack at the top of the zone, but that's, I mean, that's the biggest thing, I guess, for me that I've learned how to do from the, all the analytics stuff is like learning that I can throw my fastball at the top of the zone. Like that's something I never knew how to do and something that I learned a lot. Um, but honestly, for my other pitches, it doesn't really tell me much. It's more like from like what it looks like to my eye, how it's feeling that day. Yeah, I think the analytics do play into – I've used it more as, like, pitch design as I've been trying to spin my curveball a little bit more efficiently and, and get the action that I want, and it gives you direct feedback, you know, whether the Rapsodo's there and telling you what it's doing or you get on an edutronic and it's literally showing how it's coming out of your hand. So I think that's where I've really um, progressed how I pitch is just seeing how it's coming out of my hand and then making adjustments and 
making the pitches do what I want them to do rather is just like, you know, passing eye tests or, but that's kind of what I've been working on with, with analytics and, and the rap photo and stuff like that. Yeah. It's funny, Daniel, that you brought up the attacking high in the zone with a fastball. Cause that was actually going to be my specific question for Derek because I was watching video and that seemed like something that he was doing a lot. And I saw a clip of uh, Derek Hill was talking about you and he said that he's, you go three innings without throwing anything but a fastball. At least that's what he sees. I don't know if that's actually true or not. Um, I was wearing center field, so I don't think I throw only fastballs. But no, yeah, I, I, don't I do. And that. that's something that the rap soto and, and I'm, I spin it pretty well. So um, mm-hmm. I can live up in the zone a little bit and attack more up in the zone. I don't have to live down. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's something that I learned about myself too. When I got into pro ball, I was like, oh, I can actually do that not only late in counts, I can do it early in counts and get swing and misses or, you know, maybe a pop fly, a, an early pop fly or something like that. Yeah. I think we at Pitcher List, we call it the Blake Snell, uh, Blake, Blake Snell syndrome or something like that. Nick will correct me, but that's something that he's perfected a lot of the fastballs up and then the breaking pitches down. And it's kind of cool to see that kind of infiltrating out in the minor leagues. I know, Daniel, you mentioned it too. So uh, I don't really have a question on that. I was just pointing out that that's something that it's really cool to see you guys start to do that because I think it's really helpful. Um, next question was just, uh, we've talked a lot about, I think sometimes people can get a tiny bit over analytical when it comes to like mound visits. We always wondering like what the coach is coming out there to say. And I've heard a lot of stories about sometimes mound visits are just more nonsensical and not necessarily super serious. I'm just curious if any of you guys have a funny story about a coach coming out or a catcher coming out. And uh, maybe it seems like a serious conversation and maybe it's more like something from Bull Durham where they're just talking about <laughs> random. If you guys got a story on that. Yeah, I don't have any any really crazy stories with coaches or players or anything like that. I feel like I just try to focus. I feel like they kind of feel the same way. But I remember my freshman year of college, Richie Martin, who's uh, the shortstop for the Baltimore Orioles. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember he used to always come out there if I was like wasn't pitching too good and start like asking me what I'm gonna do after the game, like if he wants to hang out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, he'd be like, yo, Richie, like, no, I want to like get out of this inning. <laughs> but I mean, it was funny. It's funny looking back at it now. But I guess like I think eventually he started being a little more serious with me, but it's funny looking back at it. I got, I would say that, yeah, I think I had our shortstop when I was young would do the same thing, similar thing, just try to, I guess, try to distract me from the nerves of the game. I, I, I'm try, I don't really have a specific thing, but same thing. Our shortstop was a junior when I was a freshman, and so when I'd be pitching, he'd, he'd come and say, like, yeah, what are you doing after the game? What are you going to eat for dinner after the game? And I, same thing. I didn't really understand why he was doing that. But now right. looking back on it, it's probably just trying to distract me. Yeah, I mean, most times I feel like when a catcher comes out or a pitching coach comes out, it's it's like to give me a break, too. I'll be like, dang, I just threw like 27 pitches straight. I need like a little bit of a breather. Um, yeah. And sometimes you're like, please come out after this batter or something like that just to catch your breath. and and focus up a little again a little bit again but yeah i don't really know if i have any funny stories or anything like that is that i mean is that tough because i know you know as a pitcher you're out on the mound and you have this whole you know everybody's different i feel like as a pitcher some guys can take the distraction a little bit better than others is that hard when you're when your teammates are just trying to distract you on the mound to calm you down and think they're helping but maybe they're not because you just want to focus on you know the task at hand yeah i mean i guess you just got to handle it without being you know kind of like a jerk to your teammates but I think eventually after a few games, they start to realize your personality. And a lot of guys, I mean, you don't want to mess with the pitcher while he's pitching. You know, that's kind of his day to focus and do his job. But, uh, I mean, at the same time, when they when they do give you uh, 
you know, high five or something like, hey, good job. Like, you know, you got to you gotta be, it feels, makes you feel good that, you know, your guys got your back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I honestly am usually pitching my best when I can joke around in the dugout. Mm-hmm. When I'm feeling confident, I don't ever really worry about dirt, like in between innings, if someone says something to me, I'm not, my personality is just not really like someone to be too serious. Um, that usually happens when I'm pitching poorly and I'm like not feeling confident, but when I'm feeling good and confident, like if someone wants to talk to me or if a mound visit, if, some, if a coach jokes around or something, it doesn't really bother me. It just probably plays better into, you know, my personality. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm pretty serious and quiet when I'm pitching. I don't know. I don't really mess around much. I don't know if Alex, but I mean, Alex is like super competitive and locked in when he's out there too. So I don't really mess with Alex when he's pitching. I don't think he messes, you know, it's just kind of yeah. like a fist bump when you walk in and it's like, all right, yeah. Like, yeah, we're you got the this. Same. Terry, Terry yeah, I mean, too. yeah, I think I think Alex might be actually like the most competitive, like bulldog pitcher I've ever been around. So I appreciate but, yeah, that. he's pretty he's pretty dialed in, you know, and, and he gets it, too, with me. Like some guys like to mess around or talk about things, but I feel like I'm, I'm not one of those guys. I'm pretty dialed in talking about what <laughs> yeah. maybe talking about Sometimes what hitter I'm going to face the next inning. Yeah, you, sometimes you'll be like, yo, did that do this? But, like, you're talking, but you're, like, still focused. It's not like a joke or nothing, which is really cool. Yeah, it's usually about the game. You know, it's not – I don't know. I don't really ever talk about what I'm going to do later. It's more just kind of like, all right, I'll think about that after this game's done. Did that – like, did that kind of come really naturally to you guys on the mound? Like, I've read some, like, about some pitchers and, some, and other players in other sports who, like, do a lot of mental training to kind of hone in and focus really intently. Do you guys just have that kind of innate ability to just really lock in on what you're doing? Or is it something that you've kind of had to like work on or, or practice to kind of get better at in your careers? Yeah, no, I don't feel like I practice or anything. Like, I just feel like I just care about the game and, you know, my teammates mm-hmm. and, you know, the team so much that like, I feel like every time I go out there, I want to give it my best and, you know, not let them down. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I think it was definitely something I had to work on. It's something I still work on. Because, um, like I said, being super, like, bulldog or locked, mm-hmm. like, super trying to be super locked in just isn't – it's it's unnatural for me. And it's, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of inauthentic when I try to do it. And I think, like, in college I felt like I was supposed to be that way. And mm-hmm. it played against um, who I am. And I just try to do my best to be in the moment and, uh, you know, like – if that's joking around and laughing or whether that means I need to be locked in or asking questions about the game, like they said, it's just kind of doing my best to be in the moment. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like I've been pretty competitive my whole life, but um, Coach Kirby at Seattle U, uh, Andy, he's like the most intense guy ever. So I feel like he just is like put that into me. Like, this is how you play the game. You know, this is how you're supposed to play. And I don't know. I feel like that's just the way I like to play baseball now. Sure. And so one of the things I'm sure that that obviously helps is your relationship with a catcher. Is that hard to maintain or to, to build maybe even super quickly if you're moving on through the levels or, you know, just entering the organization? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, I think our catchers do a really good job, but um, I feel like they just – they got to get innings caught, you know, while you're throwing to, get, to feel like how you do things, how you want to do things, um, your, your personality, stuff like that. But – I give a lot of credit. Our guys do a good job at, you know, trying to get to know us and, you know, being on our side and working with us, helping us even during bullpens and flat grounds. So, I mean, it's been pretty, a uh, pretty good transition so far. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, the catchers are with us in every K 
cut or full pitchers meeting, and then we do a pitchers meeting before the game too. And the catchers are always there, going over the scouting report. And for me, as long as the catcher's there and shows that he is interested in you know what we're going over and is locked in and engaged, then it's I respect it, and then it's pretty pretty easy for me to build a relationship with him from there. Our catchers in our organization do a really good job of getting on the same page. I think that's the first, you know, adjustment once if you go to a different level is just like, all right, well, let's figure out how this guy throws or what he does well or what he doesn't do well. And I think our catchers do a really good job of, of picking that up and, and you know, going with it right away. I'm curious if you guys have a uh, any memorable pitch sequences in your career, whether it was in college or in the pros. Uh, as like a maybe a three pitch strikeout or maybe a sequence you remember negatively, like a, a pitch you thought you were going to execute well and the guy hit it over the fence, or you did execute it well and that happened. I'm just curious if any of those stand out to you guys and and uh, how you guys kind of maybe rebounded from them or or if they're positive ones, kind of if you've utilized that going forward. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I remember so many pitches about like so many abs, um, mm-hmm. but I also like a lot of the guys I that I, I put a lot of emphasis on when I'm pitching it. Like, they're still playing, so I don't want to, like, name any names. Sure. Um, I know that, like, my freshman year of college, I was scuffling a little bit, and then the World Series, I got to fa- uh, face Miami, and uh, mm-hmm. I remember throwing a backup breaking ball that ended up striking out a guy to get out of the inning. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, that always stuck in my head. And mm-hmm. I was like, I mean, they would, like, I'd, like, see it, like, mm-hmm. you know, on a highlight or something, be like, oh, my gosh, I got so lucky, and that just kind of, like, ingrained my brain. <laughs> sure. Uh, for me, it's definitely from uh, the fall league throwing on the robo ump. Mm-hmm. Um, I threw three straight pitches that like weren't even close, and they all got called strikes and <laughs> punched the guy out three pitches, that. and he was just like, "It was yeah." I was like, I was laughing on the mound. I was like, "This is ridiculous." <laughs> yeah, I think for me, I was working on uh, throwing backdoor sliders this last season. And mm-hmm. the first start that I ever threw a backdoor slider, I was like, yeah, I got to do it once in the game, you know? Mm-hmm. And I throw like a 0-1 backdoor slider first time in my life, and it gets like absolutely ripped over the like opposite field home run. And I'm like, how is that? How did that just work out? Like, I finally threw a backdoor slider, a good one, and it like mm-hmm. it hits an absolute bomb. And I was like, all right, well, I'm not doing that anymore. So <laughs> I got rid of that pitch, stopped practicing it. Um, yeah, that's kind of my story. So you're not going to bring it back, or you're going to bring it back until the next time that happens, where you got to find with that pitch. I, I don't know. I haven't thrown another one since then, so <laughs> I, I don't know. Is it is it tough to balance like wanting to work on the backdoor slider in a game, but but you know knowing that may not be like you know the the best you can throw out there? So uh, between competing and working on kind of those adjustments, is that a tough balance to find? Yeah, I feel like uh, that's like a big thing with me. That I feel like I always am trying to like compete and win. And, like, sometimes, like, our pitching coach, MJ, will be, oh, you got to throw, like, five changes this inning. I'm like, man, well, but what if, like, there's a leadoff double? Like, I got to kind of lock it in. I don't want to throw five change-ups mm-hmm. if I don't have to. So, uh, I mean, that it's kind of funny looking back on it. But when you're kind of rolling, it doesn't really – you're actually using all your pitches. So, I guess it's it should be smarter for me to, you know, start mm-hmm. doing that. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I The Royals have been all over me about throwing my change-up more. Um, and – it's something where it's my fourth pitch. And so if I already have three pitches that are working and I'm getting guys out, it's like, why would I throw my worst pitch? Mm-hmm. But they really want me to work on it. And so it's understanding that. And it, it's, I guess it's a lot of, it's like finding good times in the game to use it. Like not necessarily trying to bases loaded one out, trying to just throw a bunch of changeups all of a sudden, but mm-hmm. sneaking times in there where I can use it and practice it, but also compete at the same time and 
try to do, like give my best stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree. Like it's it's hard to to manage that, you know, working on something and then actually doing it in the game. But I need to throw my change up more too. Um, and I think it's just like tell the catcher that day, hey, every first pitch, you know, of every inning, let's throw a change up or, you know, second batter of every inning, let's throw a change up first pitch and just see what happens. You know, what's the worst you go down one Oh, or they swing and miss or they take and you're up Oh one. So, um, I don't know. Sometimes you just got to jump in and do it too. So that's, that's also part of it. Kind of compounding on that a little bit and going back to the prospect rankings conversation from earlier. Um, how much do your coaches and, and people in the organization emphasize like the statistics that you put up? Cause obviously you guys want to put up good stats because, that's how we win and obviously you know that makes you feel better and everything but if you're you know throwing backdoor sliders for the first time and giving up home runs like you're, you're i'm assuming that your player development and the coaches and stuff know what's going on and that's that's not being kind of going against you guys negatively i'm just curious how much you guys hear from your coaches about the emphasis on the statistics versus the competing versus just working on the stuff that they want you to work on yeah i feel like our i mean I feel like our organization does a good job with that. I mean, I kind of feel like they know they, they, they have like the good communication. So like, we'll talk to them and be like, Hey, this is what I'm going to work on against this guy. So they kind of know beforehand, like, Oh, I, I saw this watching Tarek throw the other day. I think I can throw him, you know, back foot changeups or something, righty, righty. And then they'll know, like, maybe I do that. And I, and I leave it up and the guy hits a home run or something like, oh, okay, I see what he was doing. He was trying to work on that today. So I right. think just the open communication really helps with that because they, they want you to go out there and win too. So they're going to try to give you that homework. Mm -hmm. you, know, you should try to practice this against this guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say the exact same. Like mm -hmm. they, they do a good job of like, they, they, they know that I want to pitch well and I want to give, give my best up, but they also try to help me understand that long-term development is what the minor leagues are about. And, but definitely when I, if I go a game where I only throw like two changeups, they'll definitely like be like, "All right, we're gonna find you if you don't throw 15 changeups today." Or you know, I don't care if you go up 10 runs, like you need to throw changeups. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think they wrote. I remember the pitching coach asked me like, "Hey, was that a backdoor slider?" And I was like, "Yeah." And I think he wrote it down after I gave up that home run on that pitch. So I mean, I don't know if that matters, but like, they do say I need to throw more changeups. But at the end of like. If I'm pitching well and I'm throwing the ball well and I'm having good outings, they've never said, hey, like, you need to throw change-ups this inning. It's like, all right, well, if the fastball is getting by, guys, like, keep throwing the fastball. Or if the slider's on, like, keep throwing the slider. So. Okay, so, again, we really appreciate what's going on here. I think we're going to uh, jump into just talking, you know, individually and, and a little bit more uh, questions geared toward that. So, I mean, uh, Alex, uh, one of the questions I had for you was uh, about – you know, you got a, a taste of uh, of Double A in, in 2018, and then you came back in, in 2019, the same level, and, and really, uh, I mean, pitched fantastic. So, uh, is that a matter of getting comfortable? Did you, I mean, were there adjustments you were able to make? Uh, you know, how, what was what was behind that? Yeah, the uh, the second half of the season in 2018, that's kind of when the Tigers started to work on more analytical stuff. So I I was trying to do a little bit more of the developmental side, and my numbers weren't very good, not because of it, but um, you know, just something different. And then, uh, you know, working on things that the Tigers wanted me to going into last year really helped me improve as a pitcher. And then being able to work with Tarek and Casey and Matt and, you know, Joey Wentz, all these guys that we have, just being able to not only push me, but then also, you know, help me become a better, more rounded pitcher. 
um, you know, just really helped me, you know, I feel like improve in uh, the Eastern League. Yeah, Derek. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Trevor. Sorry. Uh, is, is, that, is that a confidence thing, or did you make, were there mechanical changes, things like that? Um, I mean, I know being able to talk to guys probably helps. So just... Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm always pretty confident, uh, especially being on the mound. Um, I don't think it was any of that. It was just, you know, trying to work more on top of the ball, you know, trying to pitch up in the zone, you know, trying to spin the ball, um, how uh, using change-ups, when to use them, you know, pitch sequencing. So there's, like, a few things I went into. My stuff just was flat out just not as good in 2018 as well. So that probably uh, made a little bit of a difference. Yeah, Tarek, the question I was going to ask you was about the pitch sequencing and the tunneling, and we kind of already talked about that. So I'm just going to ask about uh, obviously you had Tommy John surgery in college, which I know, uh, you know, you got drafted by the Diamondbacks, I think 29th round, I want to say something like that. Came back to school. Uh, senior season was good, but maybe not quite as good as you had been before that. It was uh, bad. You can say it was bad. It was bad. <laughs> I didn't pitch great. I, I saw one of the good parts. I went to a couple games that year. I saw you. I saw you pitch really well, but. Um, yeah. yeah, so it was a rough senior year, we'll say that, and then the draft stock dropped a little bit. Uh, did that change your motivation a little bit? Do you think that the Tommy John had an impact on your performance that year? Uh, obviously, you didn't struggle pretty much at all since you've got into the minor leagues, so uh, was it partly just a difference in where you were pitching, or was, was it just a recovery from the surgery, or what was it? Yeah, I think it was just more of, you know, the time off when you take – I don't know how many months I took off, but like 18, 20 months or something away from baseball. And I hadn't played, you know, in a while. And, and plus mm -hmm. I was recovering from my surgery. I was more focused on, you know, making the start every week as opposed to, you know, I was focused on the results and stuff. And I wanted to put my team in a position to win games. But um, I think for me, it was just getting healthy throughout the season. Uh, I mm -hmm. think throwing all those innings was big for me. And then um, finally getting fully healthy and getting back to playing baseball. I think that was, that was huge for me. And, and just getting back to you know my routine so and uh and daniel um the the one of the questions we had for you is is something kind of you know unique of the three of you is uh you mentioned a couple times and that is the arizona fall league um and how you got to pitch there so i was just hoping you could talk a little bit about your experience there mm -hmm. that was huge for me honestly just to get around guys from other organizations and I picked up so much and it was like just really small things but made a huge impact um like we talked about throwing up in the zone like that happened when a guy um from the Nats was watching his film we only had one computer so I had to sit in there and wait and I was just watching he's like he's I was like damn you're throwing at the top of the zone a lot he's like I just throw every pitch through the emblem on the catcher's mask and it's something I never really thought about and I didn't. I never thought about being able to do that every pitch. Mm -hmm. And then just getting around guys and seeing different routines and the way they go about it, it was just a super fun and helpful experience. What about the robo arms? You talked about it a little bit, but I'm curious if you had more thoughts on that. I wasn't a fan. I mean, because yeah. there were pitches I felt like I executed, mm -hmm. like first pitch down and away, and I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. that's on black, and it's mm -hmm. a ball. And then I throw like a sinker that bounces and it's a strike it's like i'd much rather have the one that i executed than mm -hmm. the one that i spiked in the ground fair enough <laughs> um all right back to kind of full questions because i saw this one pop up on our chat and i wanted to ask it because we should have had it down um did you guys any of you guys have pictures that you grew up watching that kind of 
motivated you or pitchers that you maybe emulate? Um, Alex, I think I saw a video where you talked about uh, Matt Manning as somebody that you pitched like. Um, I'm curious if there are maybe guys who are not at the same level as you that you watched maybe growing up that, uh, that you try to pitch, uh, model yourself after. Yeah, Pretty um, I kind of just, um, I, I went to high school. My dad coached the high school that Jose Fernandez went to. So mm-hmm. being able to work and learn uh, kind of from him at a young mm-hmm. age, um, you know, I think really helped me and you know taught me how to play the game and pitch the right way. So watching him grow up and you know how dominant he was when he got into the league, you know, really helped me out. And uh, help my uh, my attitude towards when I'm out there on the mound and how I'm pitching and attacking the, the hitter. Uh, for me, it was Cole Hamels. Um, like 2008, when he was dominant, was kind of when I was break. I think I was like 12 or 13. Well, I was kind of kind of was breaking through to playing real baseball, and he, you know, I started like going over the head like him. I don't do that anymore, but I just like loved watching him pitch. Um, and so he's definitely one that I grew up watching. Yeah, I feel like I grew up just watching baseball and good pitchers pitch. I mean, I didn't really know any. Like, I just watched them because they were good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in college, um, I was in Seattle, and James Paxson was also in Seattle, and he's like a big lefty who throws pretty over the top. Um, so I always just – I feel like I watched when he was pitching or something. I would tune into one, one of his starts when he was with the Mariners. So um, that was probably the guy that I, I tried to, you know – replicate myself after a little bit cool and, and building off of that i mean i know that andy had mentioned something about you know matt manning but but uh you know you're, you're all in organizations that have really you know solid pitchers that uh you know i'm sure your teammates and stuff so is it um you know how much do you learn from each other i, I guess is where i'm heading with this uh we learn a lot i mean we all pitch a little bit differently uh tarek throws a you know a different arm so it's kind of hard to watch him and, and compare about it exactly. But uh, I mean, we all kind of we kind of all have similar problems. Like I, I throw my changeup too hard. Tarek throws his like 18 miles per hour off his fastball. I don't know how. So like he'll always talk to me about grips and pressures on the ball, and that'll help me a lot. But then like I end up going back to what I usually do. But I mean, all the guys they they all have their things that they're they're really good at, and we kind of all feed off that. Oh uh, yeah, I agree. Obviously, Alex knows Kohar and Singer, um, and those are like two of my closest friends with the Royals. And those guys, obviously, were great college pitchers and got the experience of winning a national championship. So they, and they live together, so they're super close. And so, like, kind of just getting around their dynamic and being able to join with them and bounce stuff off of them. And then Chris Bubich too is another close friend, and he's definitely more on the analytical side. And so. And him being a lefty is helpful too. So he and I, I mean, the four of us, and there's obviously more people too. But you know, it's it's nice when you have that many good guys around that you can kind of talk through things with and watch and you know watch their bullpens and things. Yeah, I think being around really good pitchers make yourself a lot better. Like watching Fido pitch, I'd be like, wow, that guy competes, and he never gives in on a mound. I'm like, I can do that. Like, why don't I do that? You know, why don't I put that in my game or? You know, watch how Casey goes about his about his business. You know, like every, like all he does, his preparation is insane. And and then Manning, I've actually worked with Manning about his curveball and how he throws it, and and trying to really work on that. And then Wentz, obviously, he's left-handed, so I feel like I finally got a lefty that I can relate to and watch pitch, and then feel like okay, yeah, that actually makes sense as opposed to just all right-handed guys. But you know, I feel like it's huge to you know 
have those guys that are really good around you to learn from. Yeah, Daniel, you touched on this a little bit, uh, so I'm just going to kind of throw this question out to the whole group uh, about kind of having a, a, a wake-up moment or some kind of something that happens where you're like, oh, maybe I should attack high in the zone with the fastball. Have you guys had any moments, whether it was from teammates or, or coaches or wherever, where you just kind of realize, oh, like that's that's something I hadn't thought about before. That's a pitch I hadn't really tried to, to orchestrate in that way and kind of something that's maybe helped you guys out in that way. Um. I feel like I don't have any that just come off to the top of my head, but I feel like when I'm out there on the mound, I'll think of certain scenarios where like, um, you know, I had a guy on second with a certain count, certain outs, and like, I'll try to like think back on how that situation went, how did I attack the hitter? And, you know, but nothing crazy where like I could think of it and, you know, have a story for you. I'm trying to think of one aside from... Um, You're in a tough spot, Daniel, because you already used yours. <laughs> if you got another one. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Maybe just like for me, I think, like, I think of an example of like watching Coar, who's obviously got, he's got the best changeup I've ever seen. And he throws it so hard. And I obviously struggle with my changeup, like I said. And I remember watching him where he was, he maybe he didn't pitch too well for a couple games. And I was like, hey, man, I think your baby and your changeup, like, it doesn't they seem like you're throwing it with the same arm speed. And then it kind of made me realize, like, maybe that's why my changeup sucks so bad because I, <laughs> I baby it all the time. But maybe, yeah, I, I, that's something I can think of. Yeah, I mean, I think I learned that my fastball could play up in the zone too. Um, that's something that I learned right away, uh, that I don't have to just work in and out. I can also work up and down. Um, I think that's that's like four pitches in one with just your fastball. You've got four pitches you can do. Um, but I actually learned, like, a slider my first – year in pro ball in 2018 uh, adam wolf who was also drafted in 2018 to the tigers uh, i knew he had a cutter and i was like how do you throw that and he just told me the grip and then my next outing i just threw it in the game because i was like what's it what's the worst that happens it gets hit and then i just started throwing it. mine turned into a slider um so that's something that i've also learned uh, so uh you know another question for you guys about uh more about growth than anything else. I mean, you know, you're obviously different pitchers now than you were when you were drafted. Um, so, I mean, whether it be mechanical, mental, I mean, what's what's kind of been the biggest part of, of your growth as a pitcher? Um, in pro ball, I guess it probably has been a little mechanical and uh, analytics-wise, uh, just trying to get on top of the ball a little bit more, not try to sink it as much. Um I think that kind of you know changed the style and the way I do pitch instead of trying to sink and get early outs, try to pitch you know up in the zone, and then throw, you know how to throw your breaking ball with you know good uh, spin efficiency, and um, you know kind of just make me the, a new pitcher, but like kind of still take the the best of both worlds. Uh, I would say aside from what we talked about earlier about just being a little bit more independent and understanding myself was same thing mechanical uh, when I got hurt and like the middle of last season, I basically, I not changed everything, but I just, I changed my mechanics quite a bit to try to get my arm more on time, use my momentum better to, um, you know, protect my arm and use my body better. And then from there, like my velo jumped and my command got better. Um, and so I think that was something that didn't really, I, I wasn't really trying to do that, but it just ended up kind of happening. Yeah, I think just the growth um, of just being able to go to the field every day and you get to work on stuff every day. You know, you're at the field every day and you're playing catch with 
you know, people that you, you start to trust and develop a relationship with. And um, I actually moved sides of the rubber last year. Uh, my pitching coach was like, hey, let's try this out. And I moved from the third base side to the first base side and um, just created a little bit harder of an angle to hit, um, a little bit tougher angle for lefties and then a tougher angle for, for right-handed hitters too. So, um, and then you just got to kind of learn how to, how your stuff moves based on that adjustment and then just kind of pitching like that. So um, I think it's something that really helped me create a, a good angle and a hard angle for hitters to hit. I'm curious uh, if the organization for you guys, uh, how much they talk to you about anticipated like move up and like what you what they want to see from you before they promote you obviously you know it's it's more difficult to anticipate what's going to happen this year but uh, in the past if that's been kind of conversations they've had with you or if it's sort of a surprise whenever you guys get promoted yeah i think uh i mean i haven't talked to anyone in our organization about anything like that i think they just want us to focus on trying to get better each and every day learn what we can mm -hmm. um and then when when they think we're ready and good enough to help the uh the squad then they'll uh they'll call us up yeah same thing i think the org just wants us to focus on pitching doing the best we can and on what you know focus on things we can control and then let them take care of the other stuff so i same thing i haven't really talked to anyone about you know expected time and all that yeah i haven't either um, i'm kind of the same boat as both you guys i mean i haven't really talked to anyone about any of that stuff as well Um, is it uh, uh, spaced out for a second? Has it been hard to uh, um, kind of keep up? I mean, are you are you in contact with the organization about well, you know, we're not on the field, but you're doing your workouts, you're throwing bullpens and stuff, and are they telling you things that they would like you to work on still, or are you guys kind of free reign? This is this is where I'm headed. Yeah, I mean, uh, the strength coaches, the trainers, and the, uh, the coordinators, the pitching guys, they all call us and see what we're working on, um, how often we're throwing, you know, what what programs are on. So. Uh, I, there's been good communication. I, most of the time, if I have any pitching questions, I, I talk with Juan Yev as our AAA pitch, pitching coach. Mm -hmm. So, uh, like, I moved over from the left to the right side of the rubber, and he thought that was a great idea. Uh, we thought that it opened up the plate a lot for me to pitch on. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, that, that helped a lot just via Zoom calls and you know, mm -hmm. calling on the phone weekly. Yeah, I mean, same thing. We've, we have Zoom calls and we have – Pitching coaches check in on us, trainers check in on us. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they've been the most thing I think they've been, they've been worried about is like staying healthy, making sure you're staying ready, staying on your throwing program. And then, um, you know, from there, definitely, what are you working on? How is everything feeling? But I think health has been the, the main, um, the main issue for them so far. Sure. Yeah, I feel like they're just trying to see what we're doing, how much we're doing, and, you know, when we're doing things. Um, I've actually been working on throwing a backdoor slider again. Uh, hopefully it's better this time. But uh, that's something I, that I was working on in spring. And then whatever I was working on in spring, my changeup, I'm always working on that, you know, getting a, a lot more consistent with that. But, um, yeah, just working on what I was working on in spring and trying to get better. Yeah, that kind of leads into my next question about, like, what if there are pitches that you guys – maybe are working on obviously Tarek you talked about the backdoor slider Daniel you talked a little bit about the changeup I'm just curious if there are like if there was maybe one pitch in your arsenal that you could do something differently with maybe what that would look like and how you think that would help you yeah the biggest thing I've been doing is just uh, trying to slow up my changeup I feel mm -hmm. like it moves a lot and I I feel comfortable throwing it but I just feel like it's too uh 
too closely the same speed as my fastball. So uh, just trying to slow that down. And actually, I have done a good job about that. So I just got to execute and uh, throw those in the games now. Yeah, perfect. Um, for me, same thing that Tarek said earlier. I've been working on spinning my, my curveball more efficiently and trying to take mm -hmm. some velocity off of it because I throw my, my curveball and my slider. Both of them are really hard, so I like would like to have some separation. But I've been working on trying to throw my slider harder. That's something I kind of experimented with, throwing like more of like a slider cutter hybrid. Mm -hmm. um, that I I still play around with it, but I'm you know I haven't I didn't bust it out during camp. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for me at the end of the last, besides the changeup, you know, getting more mm -hmm. consistent, I think. I think the last season, I bet Alex could say this, my slider and my curveball kind of morphed into the same pitch and mm -hmm. they spun like literally exactly the same way, but one was four miles an hour softer. I don't really know why. <laughs> um, so now I'm just like trying to make sure those are really different. I feel like I've done a good job. My, I only got to throw it in my last start in spring training. My, like when I found the grip of the curveball that I liked that spun the right way and uh, spun efficiently the right way and was doing the right things. Um, so. Now it's just about keeping them separate, you know, and not letting them morph back in the same pitch. This is one of my favorite questions to ask people. So um, aspiring pitchers watching this, listening to you guys right now, what's the best piece of advice you've gotten that you would give to them? I think just working hard. I mean, honestly, I feel like I got kind of lucky. I didn't work too hard um, growing up and I wasn't even a pitcher until my junior year of high school. Though so I feel like when that time kind of happened, I just put a lot of, my time and effort and, you know, making baseball a really big priority in my life and just working at it. And, uh, you know, you can get better each and every day at something, not necessarily, not necessarily are you going to, you know, throw harder each and every day, but, you know, you, you can always work and still, you know, live your life and have fun, but, you know, it, it's worth it uh, pitching well and uh, pitching at uh, high levels of baseball. Uh, something that helped me in my coaching and my play in Cape Cod college said was, and I can't believe I've never heard it before, but it's just throw a strike one and have two strikes within the first three pitches. So if you're doing that, you're in a one-two count or an O-two count every time. And then if you're doing that, you're getting more punch outs, getting quicker outs, not walking guys. So it sort of just simplifies, not just like saying throw strikes. It gives you like more of a goal. Um, I don't know. That just really helped me a lot. Yeah, I agree with those guys. I mean, I think working hard and, and – um you know, working hard and going out and competing. And then, you know, the emphasis on winning, I feel like if you're winning a lot of the guys on your team and you are probably doing the right thing. So I think there should be a big, you know, emphasis on winning, on winning uh, baseball games or winning whatever other sport you play. So. Okay. Uh, big thing that I think, I don't, I don't know if it's the equivalent of like the first time you dunk a basketball for young basketball players, but for pitchers, certainly the first time you hit 90 miles an hour, I'm sure is a, uh, an accomplishment in itself. I'm curious if you guys remember the first time that happened. Alex, did you walk onto a mound after not throwing until a junior year and throw 90 or kind of how, how did that go for you guys? Um, no, I don't think I ever, I probably was really excited. Um, you know, you always want to throw hard. You want to pitch really good and not everything's a lot hard to throw, but you know, that's just like a, a challenging, exciting thing to, you know, to do. But, uh, I don't remember any, any time exactly I did it. Um, I was probably just more, uh, interested on, on how well, you know, the, the results were. Sure. I don't necessarily remember an exact time of that exact number because I didn't throw very hard when I was a kid. I was starting yeah. like 83 when I committed to EVA. So, mm -hmm. but, and it wasn't until I got older, but I think I remember maybe my senior year of high school, 
Mm-hmm. I think there were some scouts at the game, and someone told me, like, oh, you hit 92 today. I don't know if that's true, but I, I was definitely <laughs> fired up. Yeah, the only time I think – I didn't really throw hard in high school either. Um, I think the only time I ever hit 90 miles an hour was my junior year in, like, the, some tournament in the summer or something. I think someone told me I hit 92, and I was really excited in my next outing. Um, I think I maybe hit 86. So I was like, oh, back to reality, you know, type deal. But um, I, I guess it was my junior year, unless it was a misread on the gun, which it probably could have been because I don't think I threw much harder than 86, 87 miles an hour in high school. So. I mean, you said you didn't throw that hard. How hard was it to, to get that build up to, you know, 90 miles an hour? Is it long toss, lifting, just growing? Yeah, I mean, I think for me personally, it was like I didn't really grow and I didn't really have a lot of strength in high school. Um, I think my sophomore year, I was like five nine maybe. And then I grew to like six two. And then you got to learn how that body works in one year. And then um, putting on the right weight and getting a lot stronger, I think that's what I did in college. Um, and that kind of led to the growth in velocity. Yeah, same thing for me. I I grew from like 5'10 to 6'5 in like two years. And so I was like a baby deer. Like I just was so athletic. <laughs> and so I, yeah. Yeah, I like my arm was probably so late. I the ball felt like it was five pounds, so it just took me to growing up. To yeah, I I couldn't. I agree. I agree. I get exactly what you're saying. Growing <laughs> like that, and then kind of relearning your body is something yeah. that it's hard. Yeah. Uh, question we got in the uh, comment section. I'm just going to throw out to you guys. Um, it kind of goes back a little bit to the the emphasis on executing versus necessarily the results. Um, do you guys think, would you say you work more on command of the pitches they are throwing or control? And I know there's a very subtle difference between those two things, but um, kind of where does where your focus lie in that regard? Um, I mean, I feel like, I, I mean, a little bit of both, I guess. Um, I want to execute every pitch I can, but ultimately I just – Good results equal, you know, a lot of wins. So that's what I'm, mm. I'm all in on. Like my backup breaking ball story. I'm okay yeah. with that now. Right. Like, if I knew, Seriously. I would have just tried to execute, I guess, earlier. If I know about it now. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I want to work on command, but if I get too fine, my command gets worse. Like if I try yeah, to throw. Yeah, you got to throw. You can't, you can't be a robot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. If, I, if I try to like really think about like, all right, this needs to be here. And then I, my command gets worse. But, I mean, I think something that changed the whole idea of command for me was, like, when uh, DeGrom pitched against the Royals, I looked up his track man information because I love watching DeGrom. And he's got, like, all his pitches throwing. He's throwing all of them to the same spot every time, pretty much. Like, his slider down and away from righties, his changeups down and away from lefties. And so that changed my idea of, like, if you can just get really good at throwing your pitches to the same spot where they're effective, then you can be more – then you can really work on command. You're not trying to work on, like, seven different breaking balls in one bullpen. It just sort of simplified it for me. Yeah, I think it's, like – it goes back to kind of what Daniel was saying, control what you control. Um, I think if you execute a lot of pitches and, you know, you give up eight runs that day, it's like, oh, that's just – you know, that's just baseball. You can't control that. But, like, I would rather take that day if, if I threw 100 pitches, I gave up eight runs and I executed a lot of pitches – than the day of like five innings and you don't know how you didn't get up, give up 10 runs. It's like, Oh my, like, thank you. You know, I'd rather take the day where I execute a lot of pitches than I think that's kind of like what makes pitchers good is being able to do that. Sure. So 
shifting gears a little bit, you guys close your eyes. You can face any MLB hitter. Is there one that you guys are looking forward to? Like that's that's the guy I want up at the plate. I mean, no, not really. Just anyone. <laughs> I'll, I'll take anyone. Uh, you know, that just means I'm up there. You know, competing in the, at the big leagues, but no one specific. I would agree. I just I, I faced uh, Javi Baez, my first guy I faced in spring training. So that was a. Uh, Definitely an intimidating guy walking to the plate to face. Yeah, I mean, I feel like everyone wants to face Mike Trout. Just, you know, whether it be like, hey, how far is this ball going to go pretty much? Um, yeah, I mean, Mike Trout would be a pretty cool at bat or something like that. I mean, I was a big Albert Pujols fan, actually. It would be cool to face him. Both on the, eight, on the Angels, I guess. So. <laughs> yeah. Alex, you don't want to strike out Richie Martin? You're not focused on getting guys out of your plate before? <laughs> No, I'm not worried about all that. I don't need to talk all that trash. He's actually one of my neighbors, so. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't want to burn that bridge. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, guys, we really appreciate having you on here. Uh, hopefully, we get to see you guys playing each other up at yeah, the up so. big league level. Uh, it, we didn't plan to have only AL Central pitchers, but uh, it worked out that way. As a Tigers fan, I can't say I'm upset about it. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to tell Tarek this story real quick before we wrap it up. Um, obviously, I saw we kind of alluded to this a little bit, but I worked at Seattle U uh, when Tarek was there as a student athlete. So I've known him for a long time uh, and I'm a Tigers fan as well. And I was in my office with uh, one of his teammates right before he got drafted. And I was talking about how I was hoping he would come to Detroit and I was surprised he hadn't been picked yet and all that stuff. And Shortly after he left, like maybe five minutes later, is when I saw your name pop up uh, for the Tigers in the ninth round, and I like texted him immediately. I was like, "Dude, I'm so pumped!" Like, uh, so it was really cool to see you end up on the team that I root for, and obviously have so much success last year. So, uh, again, thanks to all of you, uh, not just uh, not just the Tigers. We love you too, Daniel. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> but yeah, no, we're uh, we really appreciate you guys coming on. It was a lot of fun.